You're listening to a podcast produced by Kayama Community Radio. My name is Bernie Hems and I'm joined by Neil Riley, our newly re-elected mayor. Oh yes, that's right. Thank you Bernie, <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Um, thanks for coming in. I think the last time I saw you was at a citizenship ceremony. Oh, that's right. Yes, and it uh, it was your uh, it your was glorious very, partner. Very exciting, I have to say. Thank you for that. It was a wonderful ceremony, quite moving. It, it really is one of the 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 things that I I enjoy about the job. Mm. And uh, you know what what happens at the end of it is different to to the beginning. You start off with so many Australians in the room. Yeah. And on that case, we had 18 more by the end of the ceremony. And that's something very, very special. I, was, I enjoy that. It was fantastic. And thank you for that. And such care went into it. And even the beautiful gifts that were given were yeah, really yeah. well thought through and beautiful. Sitting on our coffee table, Kayama. Oh, lovely. Glorious. Lovely. But I want to ask you, uh, well, what I've noticed, Neil, yes, is that you're missing something. Yes, yes. It's... Um, it's uh, it's it's a surgical drain, actually. <laughs> and Not to put too fine a point on it. And I'm very no... pleased it's no longer there. Is that a good sign? That's Look, a really it's a sign. wonderful sign. It really uh, became, I think, an impediment to getting better. You know, mm. it, 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 it mm. was just ever present, and, and mm. every time you'd roll over in bed or sort of change a position in a chair or or go for a walk or try and go for a walk, you find that there's yeah. a limit. And look, since that's gone, and it did on Friday, so I've been bagless uh, since Friday, I have had just a remarkable zest in wow. my step. I feel great. Fantastic. Feel great. Fantastic. Now, I did ask you about the key talking points for this morning, and a couple of the points that you gave me were the new committees. The yes, that's right. Of the new committees. So we have the, the two new ones, the Sustainable Communities Advisory Committee, and we have the Infrastructure and Livability Advisory Committee. So they have started their work. They have. Right? They have started their, their work and their journey it's wonderful to see the, these people who, who comprise that committee are, are two councillors, number of staff to, to, you know, make sure that the administration is done properly, yeah. and and four uh, independent uh, members of the community, and for each committee, and these people are. are Independent, they're independent of each other. They're independent of the councillors. The councillors don't select who they get. They just mm. uh, they go through a, a a process. But I was astounded at the level of professional professionalism that is is there among these people. They were attuned to their task. They were understanding of how uh, a lot of things work in council, but also not afraid to ask questions and I reckon that that's the telling thing if mm. they don't understand they don't just sort of merrily hum along they'll, they'll ask and can I ask you how how it was decided who would come on board so you've got have you got three or four members in each of those yeah we have uh, we have four 
four. Uh, so, so in the first, uh, sorry, four, four uh, members of the community. Four. So in the in the first one with Mark and Stuart are in the first That's one. That's correct. And myself and uh, Imogen in the you're second. You're in the other one. Yes. So in this first one, you've got Roy again, incredible CEO, Flagstaff Group. You've Absolutely. Got, you've got Fellow. Tony, Dr. Tony Gilmore, affordable housing yes. researcher. Yep. Really great. Then you've got Jennifer, Jennifer, who's three generations of family living in the town. Yep. Aged care, housing, youth employment, education, infrastructure matters. She's she's across a, a number of areas. Absolutely. And then Dr. Fiona Mackey, kidney specialist, yeah. Sydney Children's Hospital. So you've got a range of people. So what has been their work then to start Look, the, off with? The, the two committees are aligned to our two operational directorates and uh, one headed up by Michael Malone is infrastructure and, and livability, which is essentially sort of engineering and, and outdoor staff and, and mm. people who drive big trucks and all that kind of stuff, as well as uh, look at, at other, other aspects, flood studies, those sort of, those sort of things. Uh, they look at uh, crown land management and, uh, and so on. The other committee is the Sustainability and Community Committee, yeah. and that's Jessica Rippon's uh, part of the ship. Yeah. She looks after a lot of planning work. She also looks after a lot of community buildings and, and, yeah. and community hubs, the youth or youth yeah. uh, especially. And environment. Uh, and environment. environment. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, we, we sort of you know use the functionality of those directorates to guide it. But the other thing too is that sometimes things cross over mm. and that's okay too. The idea is that, you know, we, we don't want to be drawing kind of lines in the sand and saying, well, yeah. this is yours and this is yours. Mm. Sometimes you have matters that come up that it may be that someone wants, look, let's just say a, a skate park, yeah. okay, that crosses the boundaries. You, you've got the hard infrastructure of, mm. of, a, of a skate park and then you've also got the, the, uh, the community engagement that needs to happen around that and where is it best needed and, and, and who does it. So, so we do have a, a soft line between the two committees and they've both had their first meetings and uh, both, uh, both moving on in a, in a very, very positive way. Mm. I think that... Maybe, maybe we'll mention who's in that second one. So the Communities Advisory Committee. So that's you and Imogen. That's right. We've got... Uh, Alan Smith, uh, who is a um, uh, he's a farmer and a, a, a bit of an innovator, who has recently uh, achieved a law degree. Right. We have he's Mark. a passion for sustainability and yes, community. Absolutely, he has developed uh, ways of growing grass in a drought. Right. Which is great, astounding. <laughs> we have Michael Bowden, who's into adult education. He works with TAFE. He's got a great, great community background, solid community background. He's aware of what goes on in uh, in council and uh, and in the community. A great asset, a, a fabulous asset. Uh, we have Manwalk was he one of the originators of the Manwalk? The Manwalk, absolutely. Yeah, and the uh, Dad's Group, Dad's Group leader, the Fibering yes. Project at Kyama Public School, apparently. Yeah, and I think uh, you know it's one of those things where often you know it's it's a female 
focus of you know mum's group whatever but uh, you know equally there is uh, there are dads that play a, a significant role yeah. if I can say so and uh, I think that he is aware of the sensitivities of that and you've got Liam yeah Liam Pettigrew I think he's uh, a very interesting character mm. he seems academically quiet but when he speaks people listen right. he's got a good uh, a good grasp of uh, a a broad range of, uh, of topics and he's got a sense of humor which 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 makes it uh, makes it nice and he's uh, got a phd in uh, masters in life science from germany yes wow i mean you know these these we, we feel a little bit <laughs> not <Amazing>. threatened but <laughs> you, you're dealing with professional people yeah and uh, our other our other female contributor narita narita yes. grimley Yes, yeah. Narita Grimley. Uh, she uh, she comes to us. She's, I think, a, a, a positive activist. Mm. She knows what needs to happen in her mind. She thinks things through at a at a lovely level, absolutely mm. beautiful level, and she's n- not afraid to speak her mind. And she, I think, she adds, um, I don't know, a solid grounding to mm. the whole thing. You know, she she's she's very feet firmly on the ground. Yeah, senior executive, 30 years corporate leadership. I'm just reading now. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> you know, and honestly, that shows. People are, are, are comfortable in their role as community leaders mm. uh, and uh, they've no doubt gone through a lot of either or both of, of study. Mm. You know, the, the world's sometimes given them a bit of a nudge yeah. Yeah. and, uh, mm. you know, they've come through it okay and they've learned. And, I, you know, we, we couldn't have done better. Mm. Uh, the way that they were selected was that we put it out there, this is what we wanted to do, and people put in their sort of resume, if you like, uh, as to how they may do it. And we were overwhelmed. We have so many people in mm. this community that that can, can contribute uh, so much in so many different ways. And we made a point of it that when we appointed these people or ratified their, their appointments that we would provide them with uh, a bit of a database of others who are, you know, applied. And uh, if, you know, without personal information, yeah. you know, these are the skill sets of the people that if you want to bring these people in for specific projects, feel free. You're listening to a podcast produced by Kayama Community Radio. This is Bernie Hems and I'm with Neil Riley, our Mayor, and we're talking about the two new committees. Neil, can I ask you, so how often do they meet? What kind of time commitment do they have? How is their work prioritised? How do you decide what the next key area is that they're going to look at? Sure. Look, they uh, will start uh, just just with the the very basic stuff. (coughs) They meet monthly. One committee will meet on the second Tuesday and the other committee will meet towards the end of the the month yeah one of the Tuesdays at the end of the month with regard to how they decide what things they can take up and so on it will be guided by the director that that supervises their particular thing Mm. so the director of environmental planning sustainability planning and that direct that one and the uh, director of, uh, of of infrastructure and livability mm. will direct to the uh, will direct the others but also ideas will come from within the committee and uh, they will be able to propose and mm. uh, they know that there are guidelines the guidelines are that the 
project must be achievable. Uh, it must be within a, you know, it must be budgeted for. Mm. Uh, there's no point in, in really in-depth looking at something that we, we may never afford. And so externally from the directorates, internally from the committee, the council themselves may suggest how they, they look at things. Uh, it uh, it may be that they say, well, the council says, look, we're looking at uh, project A as a you know as as something that may happen within this financial year, and uh, we would like this aspect of it to be viewed by mm. one or the other of the committees. They prioritise their own work. They will know, uh, and we will uh, make sure that they know that this is the project. This is the scope. This is the budget. This is the timeline. Yeah. Now, they may find that even though the timeline is a long way off, they want to get that out of the way quickly because it's something that they can do quite mm. easily. They may find that something is a little bit tight in terms of uh, in terms of time and they may, you know, reprioritize. Yeah. That. So, I think it's it's to their own capacities. Nobody wants anybody to be overwhelmed. We want, we want people to be able to comfortably and sensibly sit back and be able to give council advice. And the best advice is not given under pressure. Mm. So that's why I've tried to structure and I've worked with the staff to try and structure these committees in a relaxed but professional way. Mm. So it will be interesting to see how it all how it all sort of pans out in the long run. With regard to the choices of, uh, of topics that they're going to look at, not only by the directorates, but by the uh, community strategic plan. This is a document that we went out into the community yeah. and, and it's got sort of pillars and, and th this is kind of high-level stuff. And it's directed a lot of your work. It, it's, it directs all of our work. All of your work. So in that process, so that was, uh, so that document is created because you went out and sought the views of the community about what the community saw as their priorities. Absolutely. So now that's, that's created, is there, are there other opportunities where the community can add value or can give opinion or, can, you know, can feed into these yes. committees that now work really on behalf of the community? They do. They are working off that plan. Can they also request? I don't know. Look, I think guidance it, it would be it would be uh, stupid to say, "Well, you four people are the repository of all the yeah. knowledge in the yeah, universe. Yeah. yeah, you don't need any help." That was really my question. And, and, <laughs> uh, well, okay. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the the idea is that the uh, the the committees themselves can say, "Look, this is an area where we require specialist input." Yeah, and. We would like to seek people who know about this, that, and the other. Mm. Now, they may know people either professionally or socially or, mm. or, or even through their council connections yeah. that know that, that have that, that specific knowledge. And the applicants, you've also created yes, a database of Yes, we've got, we've got a database of, yeah, uh, of yeah. applicants with, uh, with skills and knowledge that uh, are pretty, pretty, mm. pretty wide and, uh, and vast. So there is nothing to stop. The committee, for instance, if they wanted to talk about um, specific land use in Crown land, mm. and they said, "Well, what we need is we need input from local Aboriginal people to make sure that our recommendations are aligned with what their 
requirements mm. and their expectations are of that land. Yeah. And they will call in, and I would encourage them, and uh, they, they will call in uh, specialists to, uh, to advise them on that. Yeah. Say, for example... I read in the Bugle recently a, a, a report about the Minamura River, whether those concerns are still around the hospital and, and the building of the hospital and what that's going to mean in terms of waste and, and how it's going to impact. Would that be an area that, that these committees would be looking at? They will be looking at, uh, at areas like that, absolutely. Because I guess uh, that, that for the community would be a priority because it's, it, it, it's... It is a priority, as we've said before. Yeah. Uh, while... The uh, the physical hospital is located in another local government area. Yeah. The catchment area for that hospital is our local it's government ours. area. Yeah. So we have a legitimate right as a stakeholder. Mm. And I must tell you, since our last conversation, that has been recognised. Okay. And uh, I have been asked to make some comments um, uh, as uh, as a stakeholder. And I don't know whether it is this little exchange that we have oh. uh, that that may have prompted that but uh, the uh, the letter uh, said uh, dear mayor riley as you have mentioned you are a stakeholder and mm-hmm. this area so uh, i think that there's there's a certain amount of good that we're doing here <laughs> great apart from apart from grilling the odd local politician <laughs> that's always good you're listening to a podcast Produced by Kayama Community Radio. I'm Bernie Hems and I've got Neil Riley, our mayor, with us. I'm a councillor as well as you are. You are, you are. And um, we're going to talk about the Minister Imposed Performance Improvement Orders. And you're happy to talk about this. I'm not happy to talk about them, but I will. (laughs) You've agreed. I've agreed, of course. Shall we start with the why? Sure. Look, it's. No secret that yeah. uh, from the time I became mayor and uh, I met with our CEO, Jane Stroud, and we had a pretty deep dive into the finances of Kaima mm. Municipal Council, we found that there was trouble. And uh, we almost put our hands up and said, look, we've found that there's issues that have happened in the past. There are issues that are ongoing and uh, we need to address them. Otherwise, uh, our council will not be viable. And we made it clear to the Office of Local Government, we made it clear to the Auditor General's Department uh, and we made it clear to the Minister that this is what we were doing. I think if we would have kept quiet, as many councils would have done, you know, this is this is very high-level stuff, um, we wouldn't be here talking today, you and I. You'd yeah. be talking to an administrator. Mm-hmm. So we, 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 we basically self-reported that things were, were not good. The immediate thing that the government was fairly taken aback, by the same token, it's no good just saying this is the situation. It's a situation that required to be remedied. Well, the letter that you received... It was pretty damning, wasn't it? It was. Let's it, be honest. It was, it a, was, it was uh, a damning. Was it nine, ten points of of where there had been failure? Yes, absolutely. And it it came uh, almost uh, twelve months ago. Uh, yeah. And uh, we we'd been working 
By the time we had the performance improvement orders, I'm pleased to say that we had covered an awful lot of ground recuperating and fixing and restructuring and reordering the way council did business. The performance improvement orders had to be issued. It wasn't a matter of saying, oh, look, now that you've said it, that's okay, just fix them up. Mm. We came to the minister and said, here's the problem, here's how we plan to fix them, with your permission we'll get on and do them. And we got on to do them, but these problems were really, really deep and very, very serious. For instance, our business, the council business of, uh, of, of age care, was never separated from the ledger yeah. of council itself. So money was being used from one particular pot and you couldn't tell whether it was being used from uh, restricted reserves restricted or unrestricted funds, yeah. funds and, and all of that sort of thing. So the, the minister was obligated to do what the minister did. The minister noted in her letter to me, mm. Dear Neil, I'm sending you this because of A, B, C, D, E, F and G and we recognise that so much of this has happened before your time. Yeah, and uh, that's that was a a good acknowledgement, but it didn't help the problem. Yeah, <laughs> and that was up to us. Now, so, so the problems uh, arose. So, so those restricted funds are being used without approval. Yes, evidence that you couldn't pay the debts. Yes, serious risk due to financial position having deteriorated to the extent that it, there was insufficient cash to cover all internal and external requirements and the records didn't adequately indicate the financial position so there was it was there was it was there wasn't clarity about that and not effectively monitored liquidity so a number of inadequacies. I mean, where do you begin? How do you begin? What do well, you look, do? what we did, the first thing that we did is we looked at our structure uh, and our structure was inadequate. Uh, our reporting was inadequate and inaccurate. We found yeah. that the construction of Blue Haven was misrepresented. We found that... Uh, By how, man how many million look, were, were we... Uh, it started at how many million to build it? And well, then it depends where you... Where Wait. you draw the start line. <laughs> yeah. The start line was thirty-four million. The finish line was somewhere around one hundred and seven or eight million dollars. I it, mean, my roof went up during COVID because materials were at a loss. Roofs tend to go up. They, <laughs> but it cost us far more than yeah. we thought originally. But, Look, it's, you know, it's called the planning fallacy, and and mm. uh, what since the you know the building of the pyramids, the Colosseum, yeah. whatever, large structure infrastructure always get gets out of hand too mm. quickly. There is a, a a wild enthusiasm to build it, and uh, yeah. I think state of the art, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was uh, it was called the Kiama uh, Centre of Aged Care Excellence. Yeah, it was good, and it and it still is good. It's 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 a wonderful resource. But with regard to the construction, somewhere in the middle of or towards the end of the construction, there was a, uh, a parting of ways between the people who were doing the, uh, the, the planning and overseeing of that mm. and council, and council took yeah. over that role. And uh, they, uh, that, that was a mistake. Uh, it resulted in, in cost blowouts and let's get the job finished kind of mentality rather yeah. than let's let's look at where we are and let's let's do this on balance without going into too much detail which I can't really do but 
you know, you don't get to this situation without people mucking up. Yeah. You know. It it got to a point where the minister said, Right. The construction And we of, can't keep saying to you, This is a mess. Yeah, we okay. can't no no. Okay, but what we can, table, what we did what there. we did, we started with yeah. the structure of the organization. We found that uh, uh, systems were inadequate. We were changing from one particular uh, way of doing business with our digital transformation to another. Right. And that was not easy. It was uh, a lot of of people had been in the job doing and working with a poor system the best they could. Yeah. And when... When it was it was recognised that there were problems, people said this this is just too hard, and we had to we were so depleted that we had to bring in an outside company KPMG to assist rebuilding from scratch our accounts, absolutely rebuilding from scratch, and trying and look the metaphor that I used at the time was like it was trying to unscramble an egg, mm. and. We have worked diligently with uh, with KPMG. Their term came to an end, and I'm so grateful for the work that they did. They were objective, they were businesslike, and uh, they did the job that needed to be done. We engaged with the auditors. We uh, we worked very closely. I mean, enormously closely with them, more closely than most people feel comfortable working with yeah. an auditor. But it had to be done. Yeah. The office of local government started to look at us in a in a, in a strange way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, by that I don't mean they were giving us sideways glances, although I'm sure they were. Uh, they they appointed people to look at our our business, how our how our meetings were run, how our councillors performed on the floor of council, to see how uh, how our governance worked in um, in our operational aspect. And how long for? Uh, look, it, it, is it ongoing? That's up to them. It's it's still going. It's ongoing. Okay, but we have reached a point where we are comfortable yeah. talking to the auditor. The, the auditor comes along to many of our meetings. I have conversations uh, with the representative, uh, Lisa Berwick, uh, a good and open conversation we've come to enjoy each other's company, which is rather strange. Yeah. We are talking weekly with the Office of Local Government. I've had a meeting with the Minister for Local Government, which is a different minister than the one who issued the orders, but nonetheless uh, is very strident in making sure that these these are met. Yeah. We have come to a point where they appointed a, um, a an external advisor. That external advisor's time has finished and we've had no more contact with that person. We have provided reports on time. The reports have been necessarily lengthy and complicated mm-hmm. and complex. Yeah. And I believe that those reports indicate that we are really and truly moving in the right direction towards satisfaction of those improvement orders. Our last report was in June, and that's when we... That, here we are. Here's, here's everything that we have done. Yeah. The work doesn't stop there. It keeps going. Yeah. So we've rebuilt our financial departments. We've got a new CFO. We have a new chief operating officer. We have a new divisional structure and all of this works towards getting us to a place where we can say we're we're happy with the governance of council the council is being operated in the way a council should we're looking at policies hardly a week goes by that we don't look at an old policy and and polish it up this Mm. is where the committees are going to help us again we have 
submitted all this information. We have weekly meetings with the Office of Local Government and the minister, uh, the ministerial meeting, we got a meeting where the minister doesn't really like to engage as, as, as closely as the former mm. minister does. That's not necessarily a, a bad thing. It's just that this minister has had 30 years' experience in local government and knows what's going on. Yeah. We can talk to that minister. We can talk to that minister's chief of staff, and it's good and it's productive talk. It's hard talk, but it's good and it's productive. Yeah. The minister, I, I've asked the minister in a personal in the meetings and personally, I would like to see those performance improvement orders lifted. It's not a light thing. I'm not asking them to do anything uh, mm. uh, wrong, but I'm asking them to look at everything that we have done and measure that against the orders and see how we're going. The minister has agreed to do that, to look at those those orders. And in, in agreeing to do so, he hasn't just said, yeah, I think it's okay. What he has said is, Office of Local Government, I want to report on mm. this council. We, they have subsequently spoken to us and they've asked for broader and, and different uh, aspects of our note of uh, how we're working towards the satisfaction. Yeah. I think it would be too early to say that we have satisfied the uh, performance improvement orders, but I think others are satisfied that we are well on the way. You're listening to a podcast produced by Kiama Community Radio. I'm talking to Neil Riley, our mayor. So, Neil, when will we get an answer from the minister about when things are in place and no longer required? Sure. Uh, look, the process, I think, is is ongoing. Improvement yeah. needs to be constant. You don't need orders to tell you that. It's, it's just the way it needs to be. The orders were specific in some areas, in most areas, to the Blue Haven and without quoting chapter and verse mm. it needs to be fixed what are you going to do to fix it and we've taken the hard decision to divest this from our business and that's that's been a number of steps that being a core part a, a, a really crucial component of our improvement I would say that we are well on the way to through the process of the sale. You're in phase two now. So phase received two. We have offers. Phase three, really. Phase three. Phase, phase one was making sure that we had covered all of the, the, the statutory obligations that we have, making sure that the land was correctly class, classified, classified yeah. and, and uh, that we had the right to do what we're, we're yeah. doing, that we had 100% council approval, and we did to sell it. The next step was to set up an expressions of interest, mm. and we have done that. Yeah. And that expressions of interest has run its course. And now a select panel, including um, our probity lawyers, uh, I think uh, representatives from the minister uh, mm. himself. Uh, so I'm assuming you've had interest then? Yes, yes. You have got interest. So oh, yes, yes. We are but, now but, but, but still uh, moving it, forward. At, at this stage, to keep it uh, absolutely legal and, and, and without any shadow of influence, councillors uh, are unaware of what the level of interest is... So you don't know? I don't know. Oh. I've got absolutely no idea. But we are advised that uh, the criteria that we set has been met by several... Right. Uh, several uh, uh, people who've put in expressions of interest. 
And that's all I need to know, that the process is processing. Yeah. yeah. I've, I ask very open-ended questions like, are you satisfied this? Yes, we've checked that with the lawyers. Are you satisfied that? Yes, we've checked that with the minister, etc. Mm. And we are following uh, New South Wales uh, government protocols all the way. Yeah. I don't think that the minister will make a decision until that process has run its full course and I'm hoping that that will be this side of Christmas. Right. Now, I know I'm not trying to dodge the question. Uh, it's a question about somebody else's decision yeah. that I'm not party to. But if I was the minister and a big component of our future depends on the divestment of Blue Haven, I don't think I'd be making a decision until... That process had run its course. I do have one last question for you. Sure. We've been chatting for weeks and weeks and weeks now, so I feel confident that I can really just put questions to you. Well, good. (laughs) So my question this morning... I wish I felt so confident in answering (laughs) it. My final question this morning, it's about the old nursing home. Well, it's not about the old nursing home. It's actually about the community garden. Yes. Are we selling it? Can we save it? It's our community asset. What is going to happen with the community garden? What can I take back to the community garden people and tell them that the mayor said? What you can tell them that the mayor said is that no determination has ever been made to sell the community garden. That's official council. Okay, brilliant. I'll tell you what I think, and this is not official council but this is how I feel Mm. I feel that the community garden has been going for an awfully long time and it's been awfully awfully successful it's something that we do that gives pleasure to people who not only participate in the garden project but buy the product that benefit from things growing in the in the soil yeah Uh, we are lucky to own the whole of that uh, Bonera Terralong and uh, my feeling is that this this is more than an asset it is a community asset it is on operational ground I would like to see it on community ground which would excise it from sale that's what I would like and so I would when be... you say you would like that yes what does that mean? It means that if I like it, yeah. I wish I could say that people will do what I say, but they don't. <laughs> what it means, and this is the reality of the situation, mm. is that if I have that, um, that belief, I can build an argument that will be convincing to management, that will be convincing to the staff, and will be convincing to my councillors that there is greater benefit in holding on to the community garden than what there is in losing it. I heard uh, a councillor the other day say, oh, look, I'm sorry, I, I feel that I've let the community down. I, I don't have the numbers. The only way you get the numbers is by talking to people and putting a cogent argument to them. Yeah. Now, I may not have the numbers at this point in time, to be able to say with absolute confidence that we will keep that garden. But what I do have is the ability to develop an argument that's going to be very, very hard to refute. So what they were asking me to ask you was, 
what do the community garden team, what do they need to do to give you an argument they, that means that you can persuade everybody else? Sure. Look, they have, uh, they have gone out of their way. Peter Maywell spoke to us uh, at our last meeting uh, and uh, he's a, a great activist for that, uh, that garden. Mm. Uh, Cathy Rice has worked in that garden as a councillor uh, and as a community member uh, for years. And uh, I think that uh, the, uh, the, argument, the argument is there. I don't need others to give it to me, although I'd welcome any support from them. Yeah. But uh, the argument to, uh, to keep it, as far as I'm concerned, is, uh, look, I don't like to use the word compelling. I like to use the word irrefutable. And I think that there is a very, very strong case to keep that community garden in community hands. I plan, you know, to uh, to be around once we've got out of this financial mess. Yeah. And I don't want to be just in ashes. I, I don't want destruction all around me. The what I want to see is, is a, a thriving community. Yeah. And what more meta- what greater metaphor could you have for a thriving community than a healthy garden? Mm. That's kind of what I'm, I'm looking at at the end of this, uh, this particular time. What would the time scale be for those actual decisions to be made about the garden? I can't tell you. I really can't. It's not going to go away. Yeah. It's not going to be sold under people's noses or anything like that. It'll have to be a decision of council. When and how that comes to council is of our choosing in the meantime those good people who work in that garden mm. need to do so with some confidence. I would like to see it sooner rather than later, mm. a decisive word. I just can't give you that. I can't decide when. I'm just one voice. You know, you said uh, uh, I, 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 we established I'm a councillor as well as the mayor, and as a councillor I've got to convince other councillors. I've got to convince the staff. I've got to do that work. I don't think I'll be alone. I think I'll, I'll be able to uh, to speak with uh, putting a good balanced argument, describing the situation, yeah. uh, telling people in, in, in terms of, of, of politics, the environment, uh, the economy, the technology that we, we use in the mm-hmm. garden and all of the rest of it, that it's a good idea to keep this thing. It would be a, a real tragedy if... Uh, if we gained our financial independence, but we didn't have too much to show for it. Thanks so much, Neil, for coming in this morning and enlightening us on all things council. I'll just go and explain everything to the CEO now. <laughs> but, it's, but it's quite true. I, I enjoy this, and I think I mentioned to you before, it was at the um, Folk by the Sea. I was uh, They were pressed for time, and they wanted me to do my little bit and then go home or whatever. <laughs> but I, a, a lady grabbed me and a lady said uh, I listen to Kaima Community Radio and I hear you and I heard the voice of uh, Councillor Larkins and Councillor Lang and I think that this is a great way for the community to learn the workings of the council without wading through pages and pages of bureaucratic guff oh, oh that's fantastic so it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing that, uh, that you're doing Bernie and the, uh, and the Kaima Community Radio is doing oh. I'm very grateful to have the opportunity Oh, thank you so much. Thanks a million. This podcast was produced by Kaima Community Radio.